Uh, so we're in a series we're calling Sound On, and we're talking about this idea that God is still speaking. In fact, I've said every week, I'll say it again, that God is speaking right now in this room. His voice is in this room, just like TV waves are in this room and Wi-Fi signals are in this room. The only question is, are you tuned in? The only question is, do you have the equipment and the frequencies lined up so that you can, in fact, hear what he has to say? And during this little four-week series, <coughs> we're trying to zero in and hone in on how we can hear his voice. Week one, if you were here, you remember we talked about the ways that God speaks according to Scripture. Last week, we talked about how to position yourself so that, you know, you, you really will hear him. Quite often, God's speaking. Uh, he's calling. He's just getting a busy signal. And so sometimes we've got to slow down and wait, withdraw in order to hear from him. Next week, we're going to wrap it up with a, with a very serious question, a very important question, and that is what are, you, what are you going to do once you've heard him? You see, if God tells you to do something and you don't do it, why would he keep speaking? And so what do you do when you've heard the voice of God is what we're going to talk about next week and what's the journey to begin to fill that out. But today, uh, here's the question. How do you know that this idea, this impression, this thought, this message by whatever methodology that you've received, how do you know if it's from God? How do you know that it is God speaking to you uh, because you're going to make some major life decisions based on this. How do you move forward with some kind of considerable confidence that it actually is God? That's important because there's several different sources of ideas and impressions that we get. Let me just mention three right quick, and then we're going to get into how do you know. First of all, a lot of ideas and impressions come from yourself. They just come from you. Proverbs 14, 12, read it together. One, two, three, go out loud. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody ever experienced that one, seen that one? It's absolutely true. Man, there's been so many times over the years that I get an idea, and the more I think about it, the more excited about it I get, and eventually I say, this got to be God. I'm so excited. And then after a while, I pick up some new information, and I go, whoa, whoa, slow down. This might not be God after all, and it's not. It was just an idea that I I had. Second source, of course, is the one we're talking about. That's God. Job 33, 14, for God does speak now one way, now another, though a man may not perceive it. But there's a third source that we need to be aware of, and that is Satan, the devil, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. Anybody agree with me? There have been a lot of things done, even in our lifetimes, in the name of God that God didn't have anything to do with. Anybody agree with that? And it, in fact, it came straight out of the pit of hell. It came straight out of the voice of the devil himself. In fact, the, the, the most tragic circumstance that I've ever experienced in my life, and quite frankly, I hesitated to even tell you this story. I debated all week and prayed all week whether I should tell it because it's such a poignant story, but it's absolutely true, and I think it's important that you hear this and understand this. We had a family in a former church that I led, the, the mom, who was probably in her 60s, contracted cancer, and, and an adult daughter in the family believed that she heard from God that she was going to be healed, that she didn't need those radiation and chemo treatments that the doctors had prescribed for her just to come home. God was going to heal her. And so mom came home and began to convalesce at home. And over a period of several weeks and months, we had no idea. They didn't tell anybody at the church what was going on over the course of weeks and months. 
They heard lots of messages that they attributed to God, all of them affirming that even though mom's condition was worsening, that they should hold on to their faith because God was going to do a a great miracle and the world was going to be impacted and the world was going to be affected and all these things until finally mom was in such dire condition that one of them said, maybe we should check with Pastor Jim. And they called me, and I went over and sat down and talked with them for a while. And, uh, but by then, uh, it was too late, and Mom died. Sometime after that, the oldest son of the family came to see me, and he said, Pastor, I'm really struggling in my faith because we really believe that God had spoken. We really believe that God has said that. What's, what, what's going on here? This has created a real crisis of faith for me. And I said, well, are you, are you familiar with 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen? And he said, no, I don't know that one. I said, it says, for Satan himself sometimes masquerades as an angel of light. It can seem very real, and it can seem very uh, God-like, but Satan does a good job of masquerading sometimes, and he broke and began to weep, and he said, this 35-year-old man sat in my office and wept and said, I killed my mama because I didn't test whether it was, in fact, from God. And I hope none of you ever have to deal with anything like that. But as a pastor, I've been through these things. And so when I say to you, check to see if what you're believing is from God is actually from God before you put your faith in it. Please tell, understand that that's not just an academic piece of information that I want you to get. This is life-altering kind of stuff, guys. We begin to say, I believe I've heard from God. Make sure you've heard from God. God. We can get all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of impressions, and sometimes it can be difficult to know the source. In fact, you can hear from God one minute and from the devil the very next minute. Do you believe that's true? It's true in Scripture. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is alone with his disciples, and he says, okay, what are people saying? And they said, well, some say you're, you know, Elias, and some people are saying all this stuff. And he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus' response to him was, that wasn't revealed to you by man. In other words, you got that idea directly from the Father. It was minutes later that Jesus started preparing them for his death. And Peter said, I'm never going to let that happen. That's not going to happen. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Minutes later, the same guy that heard from God is now hearing an idea from Satan and embracing it. The apostle John was there in that moment. He witnessed that experience, and maybe that's why he was inspired to write later in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, don't always believe everything you hear just because somebody says it's a message from God. Read the last phrase with me. One, two, three, go. Test it first to see if it really is. One more time. Test to see if it really is. What I'm going to give you this morning may be one of the most important messages I've brought in the time that I've been with you and maybe the most important that I'm going to bring while I'm with you here at the bridge, and that is seven tests that I've researched Scripture and and brought together into a simple little package to help you evaluate whether an idea or an impression that you have that you believe might be from God, how do you test it? Here's a a simple test that you can use to determine it's from God. Now, let me tell you, there are seven, I call them filters, there are seven filters that an idea has to run through, and here's what I want you to hear before we get into them. If the idea doesn't pass all seven filters... It ain't from God. Say it with me. 
it ain't from God. If it doesn't pass all seven of the filters that I'm going to give you this morning, then it ain't from God. In other words, you have a great idea, and it passes five of the seven filters. Do you want to say it or do you want me to? It ain't from God. Now, I also need to say, even if it passes all seven, there's always a faith factor when it comes to God. There's always going to be a, okay, Lord, I believe this is you. I've done my due diligence. I've tested this. I believe it's you. I'm going to step out by faith. Even if it seems impossible, it may very well be God who is speaking. So, again, next week we're going to talk about what do you do when, when you believe you've heard God's voice, how do you step out by faith and how do you build the faith in order to step out to do things that are bigger than you dare to dream or think or ask before we get to that faith step, that action step, we've got to first say, how do I test to see if this is from God? Seven filters. Is that worth a few minutes of our time? All right, let's go through it. Uh, first filter is simply put, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? Hear me, God will never contradict himself. God will never say something to you through an idea or an impression or by any other means that contradicts what he's already written to you. His word is the final word. Luke chapter 21, verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In fact, the apostle Paul even said in Galatians 1.8, but if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we've preached to you, let him what? Be eternally condemned. By the way, you know that's how an awful lot of cults start. Somebody will go away or an angel will show up to somebody and they'll say, you know, I heard this extra word this, that's extra. It's added to the Bible and cults get formed out of that. Paul said, let them be eternally condemned. So, for instance, the Bible clearly says, abstain from fornication. So, if you're in a relationship and you're not married and the temptation becomes strong and the lust becomes strong and the flesh becomes strong and you find yourself getting this idea, well, you know, we love each other. We're going to be married. It's going to be okay. It can be wrong when it feels so right. It ain't from God. Got it? The Bible says maintain your integrity. So if you get an idea at work that it's okay to cut some corners to be dishonest because you're going to make some more money out of it. Hello? It ain't from God. Because the scriptures will always be the bottom line of this. The vast majority of God wants to say to you guys is already written in the book. God's will is found in God's Word, which is why it's so important that you know the Scriptures. i got to move on, but it's so important that you know the Scriptures. To be in church, to join a bridge group where you discuss the Word of God, study the Word of God, to read the Word of God. That's why we as a church are committing to read through the Bible together. If you haven't done it yet, get started because the clock's ticking. We're already halfway through January. Go to the Bridge NC app down at the bottom, reading plans, click on that plan, and we're going to read through the Scriptures together. Why are we doing that? Because there are so many decisions that we make that are quick. They have to be made now. And you don't have time to do research. You don't have time to phone a friend. You just have to decide. And if you don't know what the Scriptures say, then the Holy Spirit can't bring to your remembrance those things which you've learned. In other words, you've got to remember it before you can remember it. Right? So you've got to read the book. 
You've got to spend some time in the Word of God. Otherwise, you find, may find yourself believing God has said something when, in fact, it doesn't line up with His Word. Filter number two. Did I mention that it has to pass all seven? Did I mention that? Okay. Filter number two is, does it make me more like Christ? Does it move me in the direction of becoming more like Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The scriptures are clear. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the standard by which every idea is evaluated. So if you get an idea, you believe it's from him, but it moves you away from being like Christ, you want to say it or you want me to? It ain't from God. Let me just go ahead and cut through the quick on this thing. When I pause, chances are the answer is it ain't from God. And the slower you are at it, the longer we're going to be here. Second service will be out in the parking lot saying, where are the parking places, okay? So, so all right, you got it? Look, here we go. Here's an example. I mean, there's lots of them. Fruit of the Spirit, those are the attributes of Jesus. So if it's loving and peaceful and, and gentle and, and, and faith-filled and, and all those things, then, then it might well be from God. If it's not, it ain't from God. Here's another one. Here we go. You're getting it. You'll, you'll get there by the time we're done, right? James chapter 4, verse 14 through 17, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, such quote-unquote wisdom doesn't come from heaven but is of the devil. The wisdom that comes from God is, read it with me, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere. So if an idea comes out of bitterness or an idea comes out of envy or it comes out of angry emotions, you want to say it or you want me to? You're getting it. It ain't from God. If an idea is, is based in selfish ambition, it's manipulative to get something that you want but don't deserve, it ain't from God because that's not who Jesus is. Okay, well, then, Pastor, what, what is? I mean, you've taken all the fun stuff away. Well, what's left? Well, there it is right there in the Scripture. If it's pure, then it may be from God. If it's an impure thought, all right, you, you got slow on me there. It ain't from God. If it's peace-loving, if it, if it promotes harmony, it builds relationships, it might be from God. If it destroys relationships, tears people down, it ain't from God. If it's considerate, you always stop and ask yourself the question, does this idea help or hurt? Because God's wisdom is true, but the scriptures are clear that we speak the truth in love. There's always building one another up. Even when we speak hard truths, it's with a motive of love, building one another up. So if this is going to tear people down, tear relationships down, it ain't from God. Submissive is the next word in the list. If, if, if it leads to your being humble and teachable, then it might be from God. But if it leads you to being arrogant and self-righteous, good, you got that, full of mercy. That's the opposite of judgmental. One of my pet peeves is dogmatic Christians who, who don't care who they hurt as long as they're right. This is what the truth says, and I don't care. If you don't get it, that's your, that's your problem. Hear me, the Bible says when we're being harsh and critical and judgmental, it ain't from God. Impartial means if this idea is prejudiced or racist, it ain't from God. If it plays favorites, it ain't from God. 
if it's sincere, in other words, not phony, not hypocritical, it's sincere, then it might actually be from the Lord. So here we go. We're testing these ideas and impressions that we're getting. First of all, does it line up with Scripture? Secondly, does it help me become more like Jesus, or does it move me away from, from who Jesus is? Filter number three. Man, we could do a whole series on each one of these, couldn't we? Number three, does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? One of the ways to know if this idea is from God is your willingness to ask the body of Christ, what do you all think of this? I've had this idea, and I think it may be from God. What do you all think? If you have a strong resistance to, to being open with others that you trust, other followers of Christ that you trust, where do you think that resistance comes from? It comes from the devil because he wants to separate us from the body of Christ rather than integrate us into the body of Christ. So it's a really good chance he gave you the idea too. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. God's intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. That says to me God speaks to the church. Through the church, he speaks to his body not just to isolated individuals. So starting next Sunday, I haven't told the elders of the board this yet, but, or the staff, but, but starting next Sunday, we're going to institute a new practice, and that is between our song set, our worship time, and the message, we're, we're going to put a microphone up on the stage, and we're going to form a line, and each one of you can come up to the stage, and you can, and you can say, well, here's what I've been thinking this week. Here's what I believe God's uh, saying, uh, and, and so I just need you guys to tell me whether it's from God or not. About 15 minutes from every service. Yeah, that's a good idea. Some of you are saying, yeah, man, give me a mic. Give me a mic. And some of you are going, I'll just have a heart attack and die if I have to walk up there on this stage and go say anything in front of anybody. Uh, you know, even if we all wanted to do it, it would take about three and a half years for all of us to check an idea against each other. So what do you do? You join a bridge group. You get in with a group of people that, that want the same thing you want or leaning into the same thing you're leaning into, and you come to group and you say, guys, I've had an idea. Can I bounce it off of you? I want you to help me think through this biblically. Will it, does it line up with Scripture? Will it make me more like Christ? What do you sense about it? Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Hear me. If you get an idea and you don't have other Christians to confirm it, then you ought not to confirm it either. It's a safety valve that God's given us that, quite frankly, will help us to avoid an awful lot of pain. So does it agree with Scripture first? Will help me to become more like Christ? Will my church family, leaders in my church family, trusted Christians in my church family, Christians who don't have an agenda in this idea, their only vested interest is my best interest, can I get confirmation from the body of Christ? If not, this idea ain't from God. Filter number four. Is it consistent with how God made me? Is it consistent with how God made me? Last, uh, last month, we just did a series, just finished up a series before Christmas that we called Finding Your Niche, and so I'm not going to belabor that point today. Those of you that have missed it, you can shoot me an email at info at bridgechurch.cc. be glad to send you the manuscripts of that series, or you can go to the website and watch those messages. We've got a whole niche profile system in there. You can go in there and click and take all these assessments and tests and get an idea of what your niche profile is, but the bottom line is God made every one of us on purpose with a purpose 
And, and so if an idea pulls you away from his purpose for you, then pretty good chance, well, two of you got it, pretty good chance it ain't from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That says even before you were born, he defined your niche. And of course, you got freedom of choice, of course. You get to decide whether you're going to follow the plan that he laid out for you or not. But let me just tell you now from experience that the more closely you follow your, his plan, the more fulfilled your life will be. The more closely you listen to his voice and make sure that it is, in fact, his voice that's speaking, the more powerful and purposeful your life will become. The secret to the abundant life that Jesus promised is find out why he put you on the planet and do that. So if you're gifted in music, what should you do? You ought to audition for the praise team or lead some worship songs in your small group. If you're tone deaf... I don't care how much you want to get on stage and get a microphone. I'm going to bless all of us and say, sorry, this is not your niche, right? If you get an impression to work with teenagers, but you hate music and you hate unbridled enthusiasm and organized spontaneity and chaos, then you probably shouldn't work with teenagers. That's just the way it is. You just got to know that. So there's a myth out there that says God's will is hard. Oh, thank you for sacrificing and doing God's will. Hear me, guys. If you're good at it, you'll probably enjoy doing it. If he's gifted you to do it, you'll probably get fulfillment out of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And it goes on to say, if your gift is teaching, then you ought to, it's not a trick question, it's teach, and, and if it's leadership, then you ought to lead, and if it's administration, you ought to administer. It's just because God gave you those gifts, and he won't lead you away from those gifts. So I'll put it succinctly before we move on. If I get the idea that I'm supposed to quit being the pastor of the bridge and become an, an accountant, it ain't from God. Thank you for saying that. You guys over here, I'm not sure where you stand on that, but... Uh, uh, not just because I believe God's called me to do this and you guys affirm it, but I hate spreadsheets. I, <laughs> believe it or not, my first degree program, that was told by a high school guidance counselor, you're good at math, you ought to major in accounting. And my first year in college, I majored in accounting, and I thought, I'm just going to go work at Hardee's <laughs> the rest of my life. I can't do this. I'll be a greeter at Walmart. You know, I just can't, can't do this because it's not... It's not how God wired me. It's not how he made me. Billy Graham, uh, who made the most admired man in America list, every year the list that he was alive, was advisor to seven presidents during his lifetime. And I'm told that one of them offered for him to join his cabinet. And Mr. Graham's response was, I'm, I'm honored that you asked but God made me to be an evangelist. That's what I'm going to give my life to. You see, when you get it, you turn down any other offers because you know this is what God made me for. But if you get an idea, an impression that pulls you in a totally different direction, contrary to how he made you, you want to say, do you want me to? It ain't from God. 
Filter number five is do you have authority in this area? And I want to slow down on this one. I want to make sure you get it because this one can be huge in the, in the body of Christ. I've seen it abused so many times. Do I have authority in this area? It's amazing to me how many Christians, well-meaning Christians, sometimes get ideas. They say they've heard from God when, in fact, can I put it bluntly? It ain't none their business. Hello? You can run out screaming if you want to. It's true. And, and that's Scripture. It's not just an idea. That's Scripture. After the resurrection, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he got into a private conversation with Peter. And in the course of that conversation, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. In the course of that conversation, Jesus said to him, you're going to die by crucifixion. Peter's response is found in chapter 21 of John, verses 21 to 23. When Peter saw him, he's referring to John. When Peter saw John behind them, he asked Jesus, Lord, what, what about him? I mean, you just told me, I'm going to die by crucifixion. What, what about him? How's he going to die? Jesus' answer was, if I want him to live until I come back, that is none of your business. You follow me. You're getting this? Now, here's where it gets worse, and one of the reasons it's so bad is so a story spread among the followers that this one would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to live until I come back, that's none of your business. You see how things happen? You step into something that's none of your business. You want information that's none of your business. And because you step into something that's none of your business, it creates a rumor that becomes gossip that morphs and changes. And before you know it, your decision that this idea, which was none your business, has created confusion in the kingdom of God. So one of the things you've got to stop and ask yourself when you get an idea and it applies to somebody else is why do I have this idea? Is my idea in their best interest? Do I have any authority in this situation? What are the implications of my getting involved in this situation? Is this something that I actually should speak into, have any right to speak into before you speak up? Jim, are you saying that, that I should never share a word with somebody I believe I've got from the Lord? No, of course not. We said, how does God speak? One of the ways he speaks is through his children. Of course you should. But you need to check your own spirit before you share an idea that you believe is from God and ask yourself, why am I sharing this? Is it for their best interest or mine? And am I willing, here we go, lean in, don't leave me, and am I willing to take the responsibility that is associated with taking that level of authority in another person's life? I was with another pastor, a member of our staff in another church one time, and we were ministering to a, a single mom who had a little two or three-year-old daughter, and we helped her with some physical things through the church, and, and we were talking with her one day, and, and her living conditions were not ideal. And the other guy, staff pastor, said, God told me to tell you you have to get out of those living conditions. You cannot t keep your daughter in that situation. Another day you have to get out. And she went, Oh, 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 okay, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, but if, 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 that's, if that's what God's saying, that's what I'll do. And she got up and went to pack, and I looked at him and said, so are you and your wife going to take her in? And he said, no, of course not. I said, well, you just put her on the street. 
because you believe you got a word from God. If you're going to take authority in somebody's life, then you have to set the responsibility that goes with it. So when you get an idea that applies to somebody else, and it's so easy to do that, in fact, it's so hard not to, you sit here and listen to sermons all the time, and you, and you find yourself thinking, boy, I sure wish my husband was here to hear this. I sure wish my wife was here. I sure wish my cousin, my son, my daughter was here. To, I, maybe I'll get the, the DVD or the link and send it to them, and they'll watch the video because I want them to hear because you've got an idea that applies to somebody else. Maybe true, but check it first. Check it first. Check it first. Why am I speaking? Is it really my business? Or like Peter, am I sticking my nose in where it doesn't belong? How do you know if an idea is from God? There's seven filters. It's going to pass all seven. Did I say all seven? Somebody say all seven. All seven. Does it line up with Scripture? Does it help me become more like Christ? Does the church family confirm it? Trusted Christians Lean into it, multitude of counselors. Is it consistent with how God made me? Will it move me toward his purpose for my being here on this planet and ultimate? And then is it really my business? Is it an area that I need to be getting involved in? Am I willing to accept the responsibilities that go with it? Number six, is it convicting rather than condemning? Is this idea convicting or condemning? Track with me because I want you to follow these three verses because I've got a thought. So track with me these three, three verses, okay? First of all, John 16, 8. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. When the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin. So what's the Holy Spirit's job? One of his many jobs is to convict of sin, okay? First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to him, he will forgive us our sins. So you see the partnership of those two verses? Part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of some sin and that our response is to confess that and say, you know, you're right, Holy Spirit, I shouldn't have done that or I should have done that. And when we confess, God is faithful to forgive. Romans chapter 8 then says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? None. Does that mean you'll never be convicted again? Of course not, because there's a profound difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is when you uh, hear an idea that it's a specific thing that you did or failed to do that then has a solution. Condemnation puts you down, makes you feel worthless. I'm never going to get past this. How much of that do you think God has to do with? Absolutely none. Together, those verses say to me that conviction is from God, condemnation is from the accuser of the brethren, Satan, the devil himself. So if you are still feeling guilty about something that you have confessed and repented and changed, and God's forgiven you, and you're still carrying guilt, we all need to say that one because all of us fall to that one. Okay, come on. If you have been convicted of a sin and you've confessed that sin and God has forgiven you of that sin and you've repented, which means you've changed your way of thinking, you've changed your ways, and you're still carrying the guilt, it ain't, come on, it ain't from God. He's forgotten it. It's time for you to learn from it and move on. That says to me convictions from 
God condemnations from the enemy of our soul. When you're convicted, God says you've sinned. It's specific. You, you were unkind to your wife today. You cut that guy off on the bypass. You, you lied to avoid that situation. It's something specific that you can deal with. Uh, condemnation comes from Satan, and it's stuff like you're a jerk, you're worthless. In other words, conviction is recognizable. Condemnation is ambiguous. Conviction has a solution and points to the future. Condemnation has no solution and keeps you stuck in the past. Hear me, guys. i got to move on, but hear me. God made you in his image, and he said you are worth this much. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay for your sins because he loved you that much. He will never attack your value because he values you that much. Come on. So if this idea attacks your value, if it makes you feel worthless, it ain't from God. So when you feel I'm bad, I'm worthless, I am no good, I'm never going to amount to anything, it ain't from God. So how do you know if an idea comes from God? Well, does it agree with Scripture? Does it line up with Scripture? Because the Scripture is the bottom line. Does it make me more like Christ or pull me away from being Christ-like? Does my church family confirm it? Is it consistent with how he made me? Is it actually any of my business? Is it convicting rather than condemning? And then finally, filter number seven is, do I sense God's peace about it? Do I sense God's peace about it? Now, let me pause before I unpack this one a little bit because I think the biggest mistake that a lot of Christians make is that's the only filter they use. Well, I feel good about it. Well, I just feel at peace about it. I just, well, I just, you know, I'm just really calm about this thing. I think this might be from God, okay? Well, it is one of the filters, but it's only one of the seven filters but it is a filter. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, from the New King James Version, God is not the author of confusion. The news media is. What? Is that that's not what it says? If it was written in the 21st century, that's what it'd say. I can tell you that. That's a side trip. Here we go. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if you feel, hear me, if you feel pressured to make a life decision in a hurry, it ain't from God. Well, let me ask you, how many of your parents, how many of you have kids? Any, any parents in the house? Do you want your children stressed out and anxious? Do you want them making decisions about their lives under pressure? No. Loving parents want their kids to be in a warm, secure, loved environment, and in that environment they want them to grow and mature and make meaningful, logical, reasonable, appropriate decisions for their lives. That's exactly what our Heavenly Father wants for us too. Nowhere in the Bible does it say rush into decisions. In fact, the word patient is found 43 times in Scripture. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the attributes of Jesus Christ himself. So here's the difference. I'll, I'll make it succinct. Satan drives us compulsively. The Holy Spirit draws us gently. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when God speaks and you say yes, it brings a calm, even though there may be a storm raging around you. There's a deep, settled peace that comes 
because you believe with confidence that you've heard from God. So let's rehearse the filters, okay? Does it agree with the Bible? Does it line up with Scripture? Number two, does it help me to become more like Christ? Does my church family confirm it? Is it consistent with how God made me? Is it going to move me toward his purpose for putting me on this planet? Is it really any of my business? And if I sense that it is, am I willing to accept the responsibility that's associated with taking that kind of authority in their lives? Is it convicting rather than condemning, and ultimately does it bring me peace? I meant to bring one to the stage with me, and I forgot, but on your way out this morning, you're going to get a booklet that I've written that is uh, kind of a succinct manuscript of what I've just said to you. And in the back of that booklet, there's a little card, a business science card that's got those seven filters on it. I'm going to encourage you to take one on your way out. I'm going to encourage you to go home and read this. As I mentioned at the outset of this message today, this is not just an interesting topic for the day. This is life-changing stuff, guys, if you'll get this. Since I put this research together and wrote this little booklet probably 10 or more years ago, it's been translated into three different languages, and it's been used in places all over the place. People are carrying those little cards, and when they make a decision, they go, let me say, does it, does it line up with Scripture? Does it make me more like Christ? You know, you just kind of walk through the filters, and it'll help you to avoid an awful lot of mistakes. Grab a booklet on your way out. Take that little card, peel it out of the back, put it in a safe place on your refrigerator, in your wallet, wherever, and use this. Because hear me, guys, God is still speaking. I want you to have confidence that when you step out based on what you believe he's said, that you've run it through a biblical set of filters to know if, in fact, you've heard from God. Is that worth some time? Let's pray. Father, thank you for not only speaking to us and knowing us personally and individually and in every detail of what's going on in our lives, but you even give us tools from the Word, from the Scripture, practical tools to help us test whether this idea or impression actually is from you. So I pray, Lord, that each one of us would make a commitment here and now to use these filters, to use this test, to ask ourselves the honest question, you know, it feels right, but there's a way that seems right that leads to death, so I want to be sure it's right. In fact, I'm going to ask you guys while your heads are bowed and nobody's looking, would you pray that prayer with me this morning? Pray it silently, pray aloud, I don't care. But would you pray that prayer? God, I want to hear from you. Pray in your own words, I don't care. Just pray, God, I want to hear from you. I want to be sure it's you before I act on it. So help me to be intentional about this process of testing, just like John said, testing to see if it really is you. And when I do, give me the faith to step out and accomplish what you've put in my heart to do. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a second. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you and God for a private moment. I realize when I'm talking about a topic like this in a place like this and, and with hundreds of people watching online, literally in different corners of the planet, some of you are thinking, I never heard from God. I never hear from God. I, I'm not sure I even believe what you're saying, that God is speaking 
Well, here's what the Bible says. John chapter 8, Jesus said, He who belongs to God hears what God says. Maybe the reason you don't hear, John said, is you don't belong to God. You see, when we're born, we become part of God's creation, but we have to make an intentional decision to become one of his children. And that decision is whether to accept Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God and the Savior of our lives. So if you haven't taken that step, can I beg you not to leave this room or not to turn your computer off if you're watching online? But here and now in this moment, say, God, I need to hear from you. I want to hear from you. I want direction from you. And I, I somehow sense that the beginning of that journey for me is to be sure that I have a relationship with you. No matter what you thought about your relationship before now in this moment, would you pray this prayer with me? Again, in your own words, silent, aloud, I don't care, but... Let it go something like this. Jesus, I, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. I don't even live up to my own standards, much less yours. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start today. Thank you for paying for my sin on Calvary. Thank you for the fresh start that's available to me. Now help me to walk in relationship with you and your body in the days to come, and as I do, help me to tune into your voice, hear what you're saying to me for life. In Jesus' name, Father, you know who's praying. I pray that you just give them a quiet assurance right here, right now, that you've heard their prayer. You've forgiven them. You've given them a fresh start, a new beginning today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said together,